Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Today we begin chapter 5 of Pirkei Avot, of the Ethics of the Fathers, with Mishnah 1. And before beginning a chapter, it says, All Israel has a share in the world to come, as it is said, and your people are all righteous, they shall inherit the land forever, a branch of my planting, my handiwork in which to take pride. And uh, the Mishnah today says, with 10 utterances the world was created. What does this come to teach us? Indeed, could it have not been created with one utterance? This was to exact a payment from the wicked who destroyed the world that was created with 10 utterances and to bestow goodly reward upon the righteous who sustained the world that was created with 10 utterances. So this is interesting. When God created the world, he created it with 10 utterances. And these are connected to the ten sefirot, to the three intellectual and the seven emotional. And the, God didn't create the world only with like one word. He did ten utterances to create the world. So it says here that the, the obvious problem addressed by the commentaries is whether we are to understand the Mishnah to mean that the wicked will be dealt with more harshly, in a more harshly way because they are ruining a world like Hashem created this world with ten utterances when he could have done it in one and he took such effort to create the world and then these, these bad people come and they ruin the world and which was created with, with ten rather than one utterance this is, and then this Mishnah, the commentaries say that this is not com compatible with our understanding of, of divine justice let alone divine mercy, like it doesn't go with divine justice or divine mercy because it appears unfair to set up conditions which will increase the gravity of a transgression. So as we know, Hashem is always trying to find the good in everybody, to, to give him the benefit of the doubt, to give him a reward, to find merit in each person. He's always trying to look at everything in that way. And so what the Mishnah is saying is, is a little problematic. So let's try to understand it better. And there's a prominent uh, commentarist who is called the Ruach Haim. He was one of the best students of the Vilna Gaon. And he provides a very different interpretation of this Mishnah. And he says, if we, play, if we pay close attention to the wording in the Mishnah, we will note that it refers to the reward for the righteous, but it doesn't talk about the, the punishment for the wicked. And uh, rather it uses the term lehipare, which means to exact payment. In other words, the world was created with 10 utterances in order to give the sinful an opportunity to repent, do teshuvah, and, and in that way they can repay what they did wrong. And, in this does, uh, and this is an exact um, example of divine mercy. God is always waiting for us to repent. He's sitting there and waiting and waiting and he gives us so many chances, so many opportunities. He never gives up on us. We give up on us, but he never gives up on a person. So the Midrash points out that in the account of creation, the pattern is God said and it was so. The only exception is God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
So why does the Torah not say, let there be light, and it was so? And the Midrash explains that the initial light that the God created when he created light, he had to put away because it was too too strong of a light. It says that this light, a person could see from one end of the earth to the other. And however, in as much as God knew that there would be sinful people, he would be, it would be underserving for this wondrous light. So he concealed it. He took it away from everybody. Like he, like we all pay for, for everybody's boo-boos. So he concealed it for the righteous in the world to come. So this is the light that we're going to see when Messiah comes. This is going to be a light that will be, we will be able to see the revelation of God in this world. We'll be able to understand the world. And so, so, so hence the Torah does not say, and it was so, which would indicate that the original light of creation remained rather, God said, let there be light, and there was another light. So that's why it says, and it was so. It, it doesn't say, and it was so, because the light that he created was not the one he gave us. He put it away. So inasmuch as the divine utterance for creation of light did not contain any other element of creation, nothing else was affected. And the, those responsible for this unfavorable change do not bear any overwhelming liability. Hence, it is within their means to atone and make amends. So it's not like they're liable for this uh, light to be concealed. They were, they're not paying for it. And um, the only thing they have to do is, or we all have to do, is that we have to fix ourselves. We have to really reveal our true, our true essence and, 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 and take that wickedness out of ourselves and that ego and that uh, arrogance. We have to really get rid of that. So how, had there only been a single utterance for creation, the negative effect of the sinful would have had a much broader impact and it might have been a beyond their capacity to atone for this. So if Hashem would have made the world with one utterance, the sinful would have never been able to repent and do Teshuvah. So the division of creation into the ten utterances was therefore in consideration of the sinful to minimize the consequence the consequences of their wrongdoing. So the reason that God created the world with ten utterances was to give the sinful the opportunity to repent. Isn't that a loving father? So we see here that while there is forgiveness, this can only be within the system of justice, which provides for forgiveness when there is adequate teshuva. So one might not say, never mind, God will overlook this. Like we cannot say, oh, you know what? I'm gonna steal, I'm gonna steal this money. Maybe nobody's gonna notice, but tomorrow I'll make teshuva. Tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll make amends. No, Hashem won't forgive you. Like if you think you're gonna do something wrong and then you're gonna repent, it doesn't work that way. You cannot do something wrong thinking that tomorrow you're gonna repent and you're gonna do teshuva. So Rabbi Elazar said above, everything is according to the reckoning. However, since God is merciful, he devised ways in which the punishment of wrongdoers can be mitigated with the system of justice. So God therefore created the world with 10 utterances in order to give greater reward to the righteous. So also the 10 utterances are, uh, allow the righteous to get more reward from, from their good deeds. So there are those who complain that some of the laws of the Torah are too re restrictive. 
and they seek to change Torah in order to accommodate themselves. And this attitude is based on a lack of understanding of the Torah. When it says the wicked who destroyed the world that was created with ten utterances. So we see that there's many Jewish people that make the, the Torah comfortable for them. They, they, they take upon themselves certain things and certain things they don't do. They, they accommodate it to their lifestyle. And here what it's telling us is that's not the right thing to do. The, the, the Torah is not interchangeable. The Torah is one Torah for every Jew. This is the way that God wants us. This is his will. He didn't do it to make us comfortable. He did it so we can serve him. And so we can, um, and when you serve, you're uncomfortable. When you're doing something for somebody else, you're uncomfortable. And so this is the whole purpose of the Torah. So if we make it like a comfort, uh, uh, blankie for us it's not serving the, the right purpose. So the Zohar in Vayetzi teaches that the Torah was the instrument where with God created the world we know the Torah is the blueprint of creation, it's the whole Hashem took the Torah and he created the world, it's like when an architect is going to build a home he takes the plan and he builds the home with the dimensions, the measurements, everything is in that plan. So the same way when Hashem built the world, he already had the Torah. So, so he looked into the Torah and created the world. And by this it is meant that the laws of the Torah are the fundamental basis for the laws of nature. So we cannot change the laws of the Torah to accommodate ourselves. Because if you change the laws of the Torah to accommodate yourself, then you're, you're changing the whole fabric of, of the nature of the world and are as inexorable as the laws of gravitation. So Torah laws cannot be amended or repealed any more than one can amend or repeal the law of gravitation. Inasmuch as the world was designed to operate according to the laws of Torah, any violation thereof exerts a negative effect on the world. So when we change the laws to make them easier to, to, to do, and uh, I'm not saying like when a person is becoming a Balshuva, he starts little by little, like you know, he starts Shabbat not driving a car, and then he starts not watching TV, and then one day he puts his phone away. That's not changing the laws of the Torah. That's that you're growing. It means that you're becoming a, a, a person that is more in tune with the, with the Torah laws. But it's not easy to change from one day to the next. So you take it slowly until you start feeling good in each place and once you feel comfortable in a certain area then you can you can take a new a new thing in uh, upon yourself to work on that but that doesn't mean that you're changing the laws what i mean is that uh, when people for example do kabbalah shabbat with a microphone and with a band that that's changing the laws because it really shabbat is about not having all that stuff. It's about letting the world be what it is. So you're really changing the fabric of, of what, it, what it is. So we can better understand this than our forebears could. As a result of our rather reckless conduct, we have not only polluted our air and water, but have also tampered with the ozone layer. So Rabbi Tversky here is giving us an analogy of how when people mistreat the world, when we contaminate the world, we really are ruining the world. Like when people are throwing the garbage where it's not meant to be, or they're spraying things that are poisonous, or they're doing things that can ruin the, the world, 
It's the same way as when people change the laws of the Torah, they, it ruins the, the spiritual aspect of the world. So yet the cumulative effect of these actions threaten the very existence of humanity. When laws to restrict these abuses are adopted and enforced, there are loud cries of critique. Like, if, for example, in New York, it, next year, 2020, they're not gonna give us more bags in the supermarkets. That's it. No more bags to pack your food. You have to take your bag. If not, you have nowhere to carry your stuff. So at the beginning, yes, people are gonna complain. It's not comfortable. It's gonna, you're, you're gonna have to, to make yourself uncomfortable and have uh, some bags with you. But at the end of the day, this is for the wellness of the, of the environment. So this, the same way is the, how we must understand the relationship of Torah to the world. Torah laws are not rituals and that were superimposed upon the world, but are rather the very laws of nature according to which the world optimally operates. So when we keep the Torah, when we keep the mitzvot, when we live a, a, a life in which we're living uh, according to the will of God, what we're doing is that the world starts operating at, in the best way. Humanity becomes the best people. Like, we are really gonna be living up to our potential. So neglecting these laws or tampering with them has an inexorable effect and rabbinical rulings cannot prevent such an effect. So even if the rabbis say, don't do this, don't do that, the people don't listen, there's no, not much they can do. So the wording of the Mishnah is thus valid, the violation of Torah law destroys the world just as does reckless conduct that upsets the delicate balance of the world ecology. So this is food for thought. Uh, really Pirkei Avot really teach us how to live ethically, mindfully, uh, taking care of not only ourselves but the world around us. And I, we, I hope, really my sincere hope is that those who are learning Pirkei Avot, really your life has been enhanced and the life of those around you too. So I want to wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.